the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. How are you? We're with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 151 of the Nick D Podcast. And uh, hello. Hope everybody is doing well, enjoying your summer. It's uh, kicking into some high gear. Hey, no pun intended. If you live in Chicago, you know that high gear means that there's going to be a lot of cars driving around, NASCARs driving around in the city. Yeah, that's going to be a delight. Uh, that's happening on July, uh, the first weekend in July. Yeah, that's going to be fun. There's going to be cars driving around, and the city's going to be all screwed up. Oh, that's going to be a pleasure. Just stay away from the city for about, I don't know, all year. Hey, it's me, Nick DiGilio. Welcome uh, to the Nick D Podcast. Hey, uh, we want you to be a part of this podcast. As I always mention, our phone lines are open 24-7. You can leave a voicemail, a contribution, a question, a magic megaphone request if you want to be a part of the show. We listen to every single voicemail that comes in. We play back many of them on the podcast, and some of them become part of the podcast when you request a magic megaphone uh, request, which we have one coming up a little bit later. Again, voicemails anytime you want, 24-7, anytime. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with any suggestions or questions for our guests or comments or any of that stuff contributions please nick d podcast at gmail.com that's how you get a hold of me hey you want to be a sponsor of this podcast a very popular podcast you got an, uh, uh you got something that you would like to advertise on uh, on our podcast sales at radiomisfits.com is the way to go there so uh there you go hey coming up on this episode monica ang is going to join me fantastic and terrific writer who i've known for many many years uh, writes about a ton of things in the world a uh, ton of things about chicago i'm sure su- i'm sure she has things to say about the crazy NASCAR thing that's happening in a couple of weeks here in the city. Uh, But she specifies a lot about food. And uh, I've talked to Monica for many years. She used to work at the Tribune. We worked in the same building together, and she would come on my radio show uh, regularly. She wrote a book called Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites, along with David Hammond. Last time she was on, that book was just coming out. Now it's been out for a while. We're going to talk about that and some of the other things that she's been covering and talking about. She went on a big trip. We're going to talk about that. And all the cool things that are happening at Axios Chicago. Monica, great, terrific guest, and she's joining us. Uh, Esmeralda Leon, who joins me every episode, is going to be here. My dad's going to stop by and say hello uh, to this person right here. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I love Carrie Russell, too. She's the best. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, as he does on every uh, first episode of the week, which would be Tuesdays. And uh, Esmeralda Leon and I got into a a conversation about game shows um, that was triggered by a magic megaphone request. And again, the magic megaphone request, what do you want me to say into the megaphone or play into the megaphone? 
it's a joke or a message that you'd like to send to someone exclusively yours, you can be a part of this uh, podcast. Well, someone left a magic megaphone uh, message that was about um, Steve Harvey and Family Feud, and that got us talking, uh, Esma and I got us talking about classic game shows and some of our favorite goofy-ass game shows. So we're going to continue that conversation because there are so many crazy, stupid, one-off game shows and great game shows. We're going to talk about game shows uh, as well. So that's all coming up on the podcast. Again, uh, we want you to be a part of it and uh, and to join us and all that cool stuff. Hey, by the way, um, uh, the next episode after this one, the uh, 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 when we visit with uh, Eric Childress and uh, Steve Procopi with our movie reviews. On that episode, I'm actually going to unveil my best movies of the year so far, because we are technically halfway through the year. I will have seen every movie for the first six months, the first solid six months of 2023, and I will tell you my best movies and my worst movies of 2023. Um, And it's been a okay year I guess (laughs) so anyway we are halfway through the year and I will give you my halfway best movies list uh, coming up on the next episode um, with uh, Eric and Steve and the movie reviews so that's all coming up on the podcast and thank you for being a part of it and uh, so uh, there you go all right hope everybody had a great Father's Day and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking with, uh, with everybody about that as well. Again, uh, 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that email address gets to both podcasts that I have, this one and my Saturday Night Live podcast, which you definitely have to check out. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. Uh, the next episode, which drops tomorrow here at the uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network, is all about season 48, the last season that just ended. I give you a rundown and my thoughts on the entire season, season 48. I rank every episode, talk about the best sketches and the worst sketches, the best hosts and all that kind of stuff, and the highlights of this past season 48. So give you all the details on that. That is a podcast that you must subscribe to if you, if you like SNL. And also, radiomisfits.live. We are now streaming 24-7 like a radio station, but it's tech. It's the future. It's streaming. Anytime you want to listen to great unheard music, which is a fantastic show with incredible music, you can hear it anytime you want, 24-7. Also, great episodes of the amazing podcasts that are available at Radio Misfits. And my podcasts that you can hear daily at radiomisfits.live. 24-7 streaming service that you should tune into right now as we speak and hear great podcasts and great music and incredible content. Radiomisfits.live. Radiomisfits.live. Go there now. You can hear this podcast daily at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my SNL podcast daily at 9 a.m. Central. So in addition to subscribing and downloading and giving us your reviews and your rating, reviewing, and taking the time to give us the feedback that we love and need 24-7, you can now listen to us streaming at Radio Misfits 24-7. So there you go. Again, the Nick D podcast daily at 3 p.m. Central at radiomisfits.live. And that show hasn't been funny in years. The best SNL podcast you'll ever hear in your life every day at 9 a.m. Central. All of that at radiomisfits.live. So many ways to be a part of the Radio Misfits uh, podcast network and to hear our fantastic content and uh, my two podcasts as well. All right, let's do this. Let's say congratulations and then say hello to Monica Ang. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jaggle.
And it's always a pleasure to welcome to the podcast an old friend of mine who I used to work with in the same building, the Chicago Tribune. And uh, she would uh, come in, usually from down from upstairs, and uh, and visit me and uh, and hang out. And we would talk food and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, she's got a book out uh, along with David Hammond, a book called Made in Chicago: um, uh, Stories Behind Thirty Great Hometown Bites. And the last time we had my guest on, the book had just come out, like it was fresh. Yeah. And now it's all over the place. You can get it everywhere. Now it's moldy. It's <laughs> it's moldy. Monica Eng from Axios Chicago joins me, uh, an old friend. Monica, how long have we known each other? I mean... What, a couple decades maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Always a great time to talk to you. And uh, all the way in the old days when you used to work in the same building with me and then like you would... Uh, uh, you would eat stuff that nobody else would eat, and I think you continue right. to do that every once in a while, correct? I do. It's it's my it's my calling card. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get started into uh, into your love? Well, I mean, obviously, I think people who might not know this, uh, you come from a family that um, ran restaurants. Yeah, my great grandpa came here in 1911, started opening restaurants, um, largely in Garfield Park. Uh, West Garfield Park was a big. Uh, a restaurant and entertainment area at the turn of the century. He had a big jazz club called the Golden Pumpkin, which could seat a thousand people, had a house wow. band, and um, was also called the world's largest chop suey restaurant. And and then yeah, my family ask, went on. Yeah, can I on. ask where the name came from, Golden Pumpkin? It's a really good question. I, I wonder if there's some sort of Chinese thing behind it or it was already <laughs> called that or something. Okay, but okay. it's it's a cool name. Maybe yeah. like it was a Cinderella thing. Um but it, um, you know, and I didn't even know that my family was into jazz clubs at the time. But as, as I researched it more, I knew, I started to learn that Chinese restaurants were associated with music and dancing around the turn of the century. And sometimes opium. Um, and so they were seen as uh, very dangerous, risque places uh, for people to be. And I had no idea because, you know, you think of a Chinese restaurant today, oh, bring the family, go get some chop suey. Yeah. But they were seen as, you know, there were there were editorials in the Tribune um, decrying them and saying that they were corrupting young women. And I didn't understand it at all until I understood sort of that um, that sort of uh, underworld bohemian um nature of them at the time yeah well it must have been fun i mean we've talked about this before like to to grow up you know with your family in and around restaurants because you would like tell me stories about going into the kitchen and grabbing yeah. food and all kinds of great stuff yeah yeah we'd, we'd go in there and we'd ask the cooks even if they were busy which probably wasn't cool <laughs> to make yeah. us some french fries and uh, <laughs> chicken wings and I'm like why was i doing that <laughs> yeah yeah but we'd, we'd be the coat check girls for Chinese New Year anyway. It was fun. Yeah. But we talked about this before, that the what, you know, the, the Chinese food that a lot of us, you know, grew up with in order to this day. Like you mentioned chop suey and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, that's not real Chinese food, technically. Right. That is not what uh, my my forefathers ate in China. I remember asking um, my uncle George. I said, "So you know, we had, we had this really big restaurant called Ho Sai Gai, uh, right where the Daily uh, Center is now. It had to be taken down to put up something called Daily Plaza, and oh, it was yeah. huge. It had you know four dining rooms, Art Deco, Art Nouveau." And I said, oh, so Uncle George, this is where all the, the Chinese students that, you know, the early Chinese students came and ate in the Chinese community. He said, no, Monica, this was all for white people. <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't understand. And then I would look at the menus and, you know, half of it was, uh, you know, oysters, Rockefeller and fried chicken and, uh, you know, 
chicken a la Francaise. It was this continental menu. And then there was the Chinese side and they baked their own pies and Parker rolls every morning. Oh, man. So it, it was really um, to, to, to make money and to please the public and give the, the customer what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love the, the, you know, the, the, as you've said for white people, I love the white people, Chinese food. I, I still do. I love, <laughs> you know, I love to order my egg foo young and I love to order, you know, yeah. uh, all that stuff. And, um, and I don't live very far away, actually. Uh, Monica, I'm not, I'm not very far. As you know this, I don't live very far away from uh, Orange Garden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is- uh, one of, I think the oldest uh, con- consistently running Chinese restaurant in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, I, that's the one that, you know, I mean, they didn't deliver. Um, they never delivered. I don't think they ever delivered an Orange Garden. I think yeah, you always had to pick not. it up. Yeah. yeah, but we would always pick it up. We, I, I grew up, you know, like right around the corner. I grew up on Addison, and they were on Irving. And, uh, you know, I lived at Addison and Lincoln, and they were at Irving and Lincoln. So we would pick up, uh, pick it nice. up from Orange Garden. And that sign now, uh, Billy Corgan now has. The, that the, is Tea House in the northern yeah. suburbs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and everybody really felt like when that sign went up for sale that the place would be gone but they it's still not. haven't found a buyer that uh, is going to give them the price they want. So yeah. that kind of uh, old-fashioned Chinese restaurant vibe is still there. It's still there. It's still it's still it's great. So yeah. anyway, all right. Well, um, uh, so you started writing about food a long, long time ago, and you continue to write about food. But let's talk about Axios first, um, and where it's not just you don't write strictly about food. And right. the and Axios, tell everybody what Axios is. You and uh, my old friend Justin Kaufman, also a coworker of mine, an ex coworker of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the guys who started uh, Politico sold it and said we want to make something that's even better than Politico. That kind of uh, sheds a lot of the, the bullcrap of of uh, older journalism. And they started uh, Axios five years ago. And it was mostly just, you know, politics and tech and and business. And then they had an idea, maybe it was like two and a half, three years ago, to try to branch out and start these little Axios Axios local um, newsletters, uh, where five days a week, you'd serve up five stories. And they started in the Twin Cities and... um, Cheapers. What were some of the early cities? Uh, uh, Denver and uh, Charlotte. And that seemed to work. So then in August 2021, they added more cities, including Chicago. And uh, they lured uh, Justin Kaufman and me, uh, away from our jobs, to to do this. I'd never written a newsletter before. I, I was like, really? A newsletter? That seems weird. But I love it. Um, mm-hmm. So now eight times a week, we deliver, and it made that sound like too much, but this wonderful thing is never too much. Um, mm-hmm. We deliver a, a newsletter to you telling you about politics, sports, environment, science, business, um, everything in the entertainment field that we can get our hands on in food. Um, five little stories each day. Uh, and there are no more than 300 words. That's our whole thing. Smart brevity really gets to the point, tries to delight and inform you and make you sound smarter at the next cocktail party. Um, and it's it's so much fun. You know, I was used to writing a lot of long investigative pieces or doing long working for six weeks on a radio story at BZ. And, um, you know, that, that you end up like stressing out over it and it's in your dreams and you never stop thinking about it. Right, and right. these these are like one and done. You do them. You do them fast. We do do some investigations. I still FOIA stuff and I still try to um, keep uh, our politicians and institutions honest. But um, it's 
it's a newsletter that um, I think is fun to write and fun to read. And uh, we try to tell you about everything you need to know in Chicago to be a good, informed citizen um, in three and a half minutes each morning. <laughs> well, it's terrific. And uh, people can, uh, how can they subscribe and how can they get it? Uh, tell everybody about the website. Sure. You just go to axios.com slash local, and then you click on Chicago. And next thing you know, you'll be getting our newsletters. And, um, you know, if you don't like them, you could always click on subscribe at the bottom. Um, it's totally free, but we think you will like it. So, yeah. um, so give it a try and tell your friends if if, uh, if you think that uh, they might like it too. Yeah, you should check it out. It's great stuff. And uh, and you know, and I'm not saying this because I'm friends with Monica and Justin. <laughs> I'm saying it because you guys are really good. axioscom slash local. Click on to Chicago. Get that newsletter and all the cool stuff. Uh, before we jump into, I want to talk about your book. I want to see how that's been going because the last time we talked, like I said, it had just come out, and now it's moldy, as you said, <laughs> or uh, or you know, or just well aged, or well aged. Um, <laughs> but I do want to ask what it was like around the Axios uh, community and offices uh, because, you know, you get, you know, you talk about politics and stuff like that. What was the election like to, to cover? And you guys did a lot of, uh, a lot of coverage of we that. We did. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about some of the stuff that went into covering what was a pretty crazy election. It, yeah, it was a crazy election. You know, you had this, this big field of candidates and we tried to, we wanted to be as fair as possible to each one. So we, um, we sent each a questionnaire that didn't have the typical questions because those were really being covered well by other outlets. So we also, you know, we said, you know, 85 bears or 92, I'm dating myself here, bulls, I, that, that's Justin's category he wanted yeah. to know. And yeah. then and then people had to explain why they chose them. Um, we asked where their favorite taco is in Chicago. So you wanted, and, to, human, you wanted to humanize these people. Right, right. Yeah. We, yeah. you know, we wanted to tell you a bit like where they shop for groceries. Um, and people found that, you know, somewhat enlightening and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. and we only had one person who did not answer our questionnaire. Um, her name was Lori Lightfoot and that was a bummer. <laughs> well, she's gone now, so don't worry. Yeah. About right. It. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not saying that that's what contributed to her downfall, <laughs> but I'm not saying it's not. Um, that's what it was. She wouldn't do the, she wouldn't right, do the, she didn't do the Axios questionnaire. <laughs> and then, um, and then we had an event at the hideout where we invited all candidates to come up and, um, and answer equally irreverent questions as well as some serious ones. I, by the way, I, yeah. I watched some of that and I saw a lot of the coverage that you guys did. And that was fantastic. It was so fun, oh, you know, fantastic. and I think the candidates had fun. Um, and, you know, two people didn't show up to that. That was uh, Willie and Lori didn't show up. But, um, but you know, the, the, the two people who made it to the runoff, they did yeah. show up. Yeah. Um, and so that was, was fun. It was, get, it was fun getting to know them, trying to also, you know, we're experimenting every day. The whole Axios thing is just like, hey, nobody's ever done this, so we're making it up as we go along. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was fun to... Um, to kind of figure out a new way to cover something that everybody else is going to be covering. Right. And, and I think it was refreshing for the candidates. It was refreshing for us. And, you know, we were probably as shocked as anyone, you know, on election night, we had our stories pre-written. One was too close to call. One was Paul Vallis wins. One was Brandon Johnson wins. Um, and I'll tell you, I didn't put a ton of effort into my Brandon Johnson wins uh, pre-write because I thought yeah. there's no way we're going to be running this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, did we have to fill in new gaps on that <laughs> at the last minute. Uh, it's funny because on the runoff day, um, um, I, I, I appear on the Steve Cochran show on Fridays um, reviewing nice, movies. Yeah. Steve Cochran is on the mornings now at WLS. Uh, the big 89 
and uh, they were live at Manny's Deli. Mm, and yeah. so I went down there uh, in order to eat a lot. Yes, of course. Because it's Manny's. And, but it was fantastic being there on that day. Yeah. You know, because both candidates, I mean, people show up at Manny's, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And it was fascinating to be there to see the reception that Vallis got, which was not very popular. Mm. Uh, and the reception that Brandon got when he showed up and everybody went nuts. And wow. I think that has everything to do with, I think, the neighborhood yeah. um, that Manny's is in. And then it was really because I thought I thought like you, I thought Val's had it in the bag. I really yeah. did. And and yeah. like and then like when I was at Manny's uh, eating like, and I ate like a pig that day, by the way, <laughs> corned beef and latkes or. Oh, man. I had, Yeah. No, trust me. I was yeah. just it was ridiculous. I love that place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, and matzo ball soup and all of the whole course, thing. Yeah. So it was fun to be there and be a part of the broadcast because they were doing they were doing the morning show live from there. And it really started to pick up at the end of the show when people just started to show up and and these guys are making their stops at different places. And I'm telling you, the reception that Vallis got was like, eh, okay, cool. Interesting. But when Brandon showed up, the place went nuts. Yeah, wow. Um, so it was really, and it was an indication. I was like, wow, maybe I'm thinking a little bit too much. You know, maybe I'm thinking too, like you guys were, like everybody was. Yeah. That Vallis yeah. had it in the bag. And then when, when that reception happened at Manny's on that hmm. Tuesday, I was like, wow, this is... Yeah, maybe you know, there's something there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in the postmortems, when we were analyzing where the votes came from, where the votes grew from the first round to the runoff, yeah, it seems pretty clear it was young people. It, oh, yeah. The young people just, just grew. And, and older people either stayed flat or dropped. And I'm just wondering what the thinking was there. Um, it's interesting. That. It's funny because that reflected the crowd that day. Because Manny's was packed. Because we were there through mm. lunch, and and obviously every day at lunch, Manny's is going to be you know there's going to be a crowd because it's Manny's Deli. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but like when that happened, like it was an older crowd that was there and excited about Vallis, but the young people, mm. and mostly young people of color. In the yeah, in yeah. In, uh, in in Manny's went nuts. I mean, they were like there were cheerleaders there who started to do routines <laughs> when he walked in. I'm not kidding. It was it was wow. the energy level went through the ceiling when he came in there, uh, and so that that same energy did not exist when Vallis came through and shook hands. It was it was really interesting to watch. And uh, and again, I ate a lot. So that was <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I should note that Paul Vallis, when we were interviewing him at the hideout, um, he said that his favorite Chicago band was Chicago. But mm. when I sang to him the song, oh, Jeepers. Oh, no, he said it was Sticks. Sorry. Oh. And then I sang. So then we had to name that tune. So I started singing, <laughs> I'm sailing away. He didn't know the name of the song. Plus, he, he admitted in public that he eats uh, ketchup on his hot dogs. And oh! I'm not saying, I am not oh saying that God. that lost him the race, but it might have lost him the race. Okay, by the way, you have a lovely voice. Uh, oh, thank you. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so much better than Dennis DeYoung. That's all I'm saying. Oh. Um, uh, but man, uh, so Styx was his favorite band. He puts ketchup yeah. on a hot dog? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, man. nothing wrong with Styx, but um, he, did, he could not tell that song. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, it was, yeah, I, I thought I, I thought for sure he was going to win. Um, but, you know, it, it's so funny. I was just saying to my partner today, I said, you know, I, I'm sure that Brandon Johnson's, um, his term in office, or maybe future terms, is not going to be without issues. But I think it, it sends a certain message. As I see, you know, 
certain hopelessness in some communities about you know we're never going to be represented and and yeah, um, and, yeah. and this this city doesn't work for me I think it sends a message that maybe the city can work for an african-american person from the west side and yeah and and I think that that had that had Paul Ballas gone into office, I think it would have reinforced this idea like this city is not for you. So let's see. You know, I, I think no, there I, might be, you know, there's some. It's, hope it's there. interesting that, you know, it's interesting, uh, like the turn, uh, you know, like the turnout was interesting to watch. And, you know, the results were, of course, uh, amazing, uh, I thought. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it'll be see, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But again, you know, the guy's been in office for a millisecond. And uh, and already it's it's tough because already like the press and people are coming down because if anyone gets killed over the weekend, which is inevitable, it's his fault. It's his fault. And already like, they're, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? It's like, Jesus, I just got here. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, did you think that once I got <laughs> once I got elected, <laughs> suddenly people would, would stop killing each other? That's not <laughs> that's not going to happen. But like immediately they were they were gunning for him. No pun intended. They were going after him, um, yeah. you know. Because, you know, like, immediately, oh, you know, the body count this weekend. Because, you know, today, as we as we record this, it's a Monday. And, of course, you wake up on Monday morning and they tell you what the body count is. Because this is right. Chicago. And they tell right. you what the body count is over the weekend and how many people were killed and what part of the city and downtown and all that stuff. And then, like, the first week that Johnson was in office, boom! It's like, what are you going to do about this? It's like, God, mm-hmm. you know, come on, man. Let me breathe for a second. At least I know who Sticks is. You know. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and the other thing with that is I felt like everybody who said they were going to vote for Vals was like, well, he's going to bring law and order. And I think that that's just it. it's it's a misapprehension of what the strategies are that will bring long term change. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying that anybody's hit on them, but it's not a magic wand thing. Yeah. Um, and for anyone to think that someone even in, in, in one term as mayor is going to fix everything is it's it's unrealistic but everybody wants instant results they do um but yeah but i hope that we will be investing in the policies that could really change a lot of yeah. people's outlook on on how invested they are in the city and in the future and in, in the future of their lives so let's you know see. no I'm, I'm hopeful you know I, I really am i always want to be you know because i love this city I, i'm born and raised in this city i love this city and i've been through a lot of mayors <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, in my lifetime and uh and it's interesting to see how these things work out and give the person the chance i mean i mean god like i said literally the day after this guy was elected it was like what are you gonna do about this 12 people were murdered like okay yeah i mean uh and and but the thing is, you know, you know this is, you know, you were covering this, uh, Monica, yeah, um, and we were all witnessing it. You you are inundated with nonstop political ads, which are all about magic wands. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. and so you have that in your head. Like you think, okay, this person is this better get done because for the last like a year. We've been seeing all these ads, which are all bullet points, which are all like, uh, God, again, no pun, in- <laughs> no pun intended, which are all like all these like magic wand things. These are like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that, blah, blah, blah. And so you want instant results because we've been inundated with 30 second ads for four months mm-hmm. straight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. It's it's interesting to get over that hurdle. And um they, they, they don't make it easy. The press and the people in the world don't make it easy for these guys. I'll tell you that. The press, they're the worst. I mean, they're you know, the worst. I mean, they yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, and it's sort of like, okay, well, you said that you were going to stop ShotSpotter. All right, well, I guess there was some sort of automatic signing thing that extended ShotSpotter. Um, right, you know, right, yeah. I think, I think we have to give... We have to give newbies some grace and then, you know, start really watchdogging them once... True. They have the ability, but it's a little early. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, lighten it up a little bit. Um, before we tell we talk about your trip and some of the other things that you're that you're going to be working on, how's the book going? Made in Chicago, thirty. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 stories behind thirty great hometown bites. You wrote it along with David Hammond. You guys were on the press junket, uh, doing all that <laughs> stuff. I saw you everywhere. You did my show, and then I saw you everywhere on TV and all. People over. were sick of us. Uh, uh, yeah. Great. Well, it paid off. We're in our second printing. Um, Good for the, you. the first printing sold out very quickly, and um, and our publishers, you know, who are University of Illinois normally publishes a lot of kind of pointy-headed, brainy um, academic things. And they're so they're delighted. They're like, what? I can't believe this is selling out. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, tell, tell us all tasty, about for people, yeah. people who might not know what the book is. And it's fabulous, uh, Monica. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. I have it in my hand right now. I have it in oh. my hand right now. So nice. tell, hear it. Tell, every, <laughs> tell everyone about Made in Chicago, a tremendous book. So it, uh, it's it's uh, a guide basically to enjoy. It's a user manual to Chicago uh, snacks and foods. And um, it just came out of you know lots of reporting that I did at uh, Chicago Sun-Times, Tribune, WBEC. Um, I was constantly asked, you know, what's the history of this food? Why do we even, you know, eat this? And um, so uh, a publisher said, well, why don't you compile those? Why don't you tell us why we have something called the gym shoe in Chicago? Yeah. Why we eat corn roll tamales? What this uh, sweet steak sandwich is? Uh, what steak and lemonade is? How we got the Chicago style hot dog? So um, when they approached me, I, I said, you know, look, I am way too busy. Um, I, I'm a mom. I've got a partner. I'm trying to do my job. I cannot fit in writing a book. But I ran into my old friend Dave Hammond at a uh, actually at a book party, and I told him my conundrum, and he said, "Well, I could write half of it." And I said, "That would be wonderful." So, um, I, actually, it was during the pandemic that we finally got a contract, and they said, "Okay, you got eighteen months. Turn this in." And so I spent every weekend on vacation, you know, doing interviews and, and rechecking information and writing this up. Um, but I'm really happy I did it now because I think you know a lot of people they seem to enjoy it, and it. It, it really tells the story of Chicago's uh, 20th century history and what immigrants came in and what they did to contribute to the food culture of Chicago and how, you know, I think innovative they were in using ingredients they found. Um, and, and it's delicious and it tells you where you can get these things, what they should taste like and a wonderful story behind them. Yeah, and recipes and how you can make them yourself. Recipes and, too, yeah, and uh, all kinds of great stuff. And it's also very, very colorful. Uh, the The art direction is fantastic. The pictures yeah. are lovely. You did. Yeah. You guys did a great job with the history and uh, picking these thirty uh, bites uh, is really great because they represent so many different parts and cultures of this city. Uh, it's a wonderful. It's a wonderful book, and it is a great book to have where you want to check off. Okay, I've tried this. I want to try this. Now I want to do this, and it's great in that in uh, in that regard. I'm glad. It's, I'm so glad it's it's been a success for you because uh, um, it's a terrific, and you do and you did a great job with it. So well, thank you so much. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I've heard that the some folks from the Democratic National Convention might consider giving it to delegates so they know uh, how to go around town trying some that? delicious foods. How about that? That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll now, see. In, we'll see. In addition to the book. Uh, being published. And uh, it's, again, it's called Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. It's in its second printing. Um, and you should check it out because it's fantastic. And people can get it at, at, everywhere online on book, at bookstores. Yeah, and yeah. Stores. And it, on, online and in bookstores here, we're, we're just so happy that it's had that kind of reception. Well, uh, in addition to that, now you are teaching. You are going to be yeah. teaching and you are going to require your students to buy this book. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, 14 uh, more copies sold. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about, I mean, we, t- we briefly talked about it the last time yeah. you were with us, but we're getting closer now uh, to it. Um, uh, you, you, you were telling me as before we recorded that you were writing yeah. up your syllabus. Yeah. So and tell everybody about the, about how they can be taught by, by Professor Eng. <laughs> well, you can get accepted at the Medill School of Journalism, which, full disclosure, I was never accepted at. Mm-hmm. Got rejected. Still feeling it today, clearly. Yeah. Um, you um, And if you're a grad student there, you can take my class on uh, writing about food in Chicago neighborhoods. I should just like make it like some sort of uh, class that I that I teach and do tours uh, sometime for the general public. But um, so, you know, we're going to meet. I'm going to teach them sort of like the basics of food journalism then we're going to go to chinatown and get a tour of the history of it but like eat through the history of it explain the early settlers in chinatown and then those today then we're going to go to albany park uh to try several different types of dishes whether they're um arab american or korean american or mexican american Mm. um to kind of show a persian actually it's a huge um yeah i lived in albany i lived in albany park for uh, a few years Right. Um, so you like, you know, Nuno Kebab and Kabobi, they're like sort yeah. of um, uh, yeah. competing Persian places across the street. Yep. And then we're going to go to Pilsen to talk about sort of the change of that neighborhood. And I will be there. in Pilsen Thursday night. Oh, wow. I'm what going are you going to see, see? I'm seeing Sarah Sherman from SNL, Sarah Squirm. Uh, oh, is, nice. is playing at Talia Hall. So Talia Hall. Well, yeah. there you go. Got a lot of good food uh, around there, man. Lots of good lots food. Lots of good there. food. And, and, and you know, it, it was originally um, Irish, then German, then Czech, then Mexican, and now, you know, big, big swath of different types of foods yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and then the final class, they have to write um, two stories about foods that they found in these areas and that they've researched and they've written, you know, compelling 300 word pieces. 300 is not easy to write because you got to keep it really squished down yeah. um, and, and taking a photograph of the food for me. And um, yeah, I'm excited about teaching these people. You know, some of my students from previous classes have gone on to do terrific work at uh, Block Club Chicago and um, at other publications. And, and I, I like teaching, you know, I, I'm probably yeah. not... Um, built for it as a daily basis type of teacher, but I like teaching this and I like, you know, forcing people to buy my book, frankly. I mean, that's the most important <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, I admire your honesty, Monica. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, why are you teaching? Is it for gratification? Yeah, gratification so people buy my book. That's what- That's uh, right. That's ultimately uh, if you buy two, about. you get an A. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that sounds like fun. I'm glad you're having a good time doing it. It sounds like a fantastic class. My God. I mean, you know, um, I wish every class you could, you know, eat your way through Chinatown. That would be fantastic if every class yeah, were like that. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's really, really cool. Well, that sounds like fun. And you're having a good time doing it. 14, 14. How, uh, are you good with 14 being in the class? Do you want it smaller? Do you want it bigger? How do you? Um, I think that's just about enough because, you know, we have to like, you know, walk around these neighborhoods and crowd into these restaurants. I yeah. usually call and say, okay, we're going to have a, a, you know, what's a good time for me to bring a group of 14 to sit in your restaurant and have you tell them about making carnitas or making different Chinese pastries. Right. Um, otherwise, you know, if it's, if it's too big, then it's sort of like, you know, nobody hears what the, what the cook is saying and you can't right. get a table for 14, but yeah. So yeah. perfect size then. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, have fun with that. And uh, and again, the book is called Made in Chicago Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. Monica Eng, uh, Monica Eng and uh, David Hammond. Okay, you were just in uh, France. Yes. Um, you just got back just a couple of days ago, so you're fresh from jet lag. 
And yes. um, you were telling me uh, before we started recording why you were there. Would you care to share that and, sure. and share share some of the adventures you had while you were over there? Yeah. So my son, um, he graduated from college two years ago, and he was he was going to school at a D three school called DePauw in Indiana um, on a football uh, well not scholarship, but he was there playing football. And I said, okay, honey, now that now that school is over, it's time to get an insurance job or something. And he's like, well, mom, I'm getting these calls from these teams that want me to continue to play for them. And so he you know he played in Dallas, and then he played in the Quad Cities. And I said, okay, it's time for that to be over, you know, because Chinese moms, we just like destroy the dreams of our kids and tell them to conform. No. Um, but I said, all right, well, it's it's time to start real life. And then he said, mom, I just got a call from France. They want me, they want to fly me over there to play. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. You know, six months, room and board, fly you over there. So he's been living in Marseille for the last wow. uh, six months. Wow. Wow. And um, now and by so football, went, oh, by football, you mean American, American football? football? Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure because people he's a might defensive be thinking, back. Okay, because yeah. I'm thinking might people some people might be thinking you know it's overseas. It might be soccer. That might be right. You'd have to be really good to, to be invited to yeah. uh, to play there. <laughs> um, so um, so he's been doing that, and I went to visit him in March, and that was great. And I just I wanted to visit him one more time, hoping I could watch a playoff game. But I had to leave in time for the playoff game. And guess what? They were in the semifinals on Sunday on Saturday, and now he's going to the national championship. Congratulations. He had the game-ending sack, and he's such a ham. If you go on my Facebook, you could see, he, like the whole crowd is cheering, and he he walks off the field into the sidelines, and he starts blowing kisses and ah. bowing. Ah. <laughs> They're like, oh, le fan du le match, They're like, Josanka, he finishes the match with a sack. Who else? Who else would do it? He's the spirit of Marseille. <laughs> Um, so he's kind of loving fantastic. That. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, good for him. That's yeah, great. I, I think that's what they like. They're like, oh, the Americans are these hams, but like him. And uh, but while I was there, I went to Lyon for lunch. Lyon is known for its bouchon restaurants, which are these sort of humble restaurants with a red checkered tablecloth that serve homey food. You might know the restaurant in Bucktown called Le Bouchon. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was there, I saw at the Museum of Fine Arts, Le Musée de Beaux-Arts, as they say en français, um, it was a show called Robert Green in Chicago. And I was just intrigued. I'm like, what? And um, and then I saw on the poster, it's a woman in a, in a bar on the south side of Chicago. And then other pictures are two flats, Chicago two flats. And then one is a, a bar where there's all this malort behind the bartender. Oh my God. And one is from, it's called the Ravenswood L. Uh, it's a lot of portraits of people on the L. And I was like, what's going on here? How is there this Chicago artist I've never heard of and uh, it's a guy named Robert Guinan who died in Evanston in 2016 yeah. or 18. Uh, I've been, I guess yeah. I've been mispronouncing his name. Is it Guinan or Guinan? I've been saying Guinan. Guinan. I've been Guinan. saying Guinan. Okay, see, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. I've, yeah, I've yeah. been saying Guinan, but I don't know what's okay. who's what's right. You, I trust yeah. you more because you're smarter yeah. than I am. So No, no, so. I've never I'd never heard of him. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um and uh and I just I, I loved it was 2016 he died. Yeah. And I loved that there are all these pictures of everyday Chicagoans and Chicago scenes there in Lyon because he's huge, huge in France. Francois Mitterrand owns one of his paintings. Uh Johnny Depp owns one of his paintings. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
And yeah, it's so got, it that's got to be weird, though, Monica. You're just showing up in France to to see your son. All of a sudden, there's a yeah. picture of Malort. Like where the yeah, hell? Right, I mean, that, and that, and by the way, Malort. by by the way, Malort's in your book too. It so is, like, yeah. it's following you around. You can't get away from Malort. I know. So. It's like everywhere I look. And just today, uh, my partner sent me a uh, a picture of this uh, Chicago Tribune ad from 1978 um, for Father's Day that said, you know. Can, is your pa strong enough for Malort? Oh my God! Only really? one in forty-nine men can drink a second glass of Malort. Oh man! You know Malort. I think we talked about this the last time you were yeah. on. I, when I was a drinking man, and I was a drinking man for a long time, Monica, and I've had a lot of Malort in my oh, day. Oh boy! Oh yeah, no, I used to drink it by the gallon, and um, <laughs> oh, and I no, it was my shot of choice for many wow. years. And I, when I first tried Malort, it was at Simon's in Andersonville. Um, which was kind of the first home of Malort in Chicago before all the yeah, hipsters, you know, before all the hipsters. It's a Swedish took, thing, yeah. Yeah, before they, before the hipsters took it over, um, yeah. you know, we were doing shots of Malort for like a buck, and um, and there was dust on the bottles, you know, like that's how <laughs> <laughs> that's how often they served it. Yeah, and um, and I remember, but I love to see that ad. Can you forward that ad to me? I sure will. Because yeah. I love that stuff. I love, I, I, I love all that stuff. But 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 so anyway, I'm sorry to get back to uh, Robert Guinan or Guinan or however you pronounce his yeah. name. So there you are, and you're at the you're at this uh, exhibit, uh, checking it out. That I mean, that must have been really something to see that right in the middle of uh, of France. Yeah, in in Lyon, and I and I tried to understand. So I talked to the curator, and they said, "Oh yes, he's you know he's 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 huge here. He's almost like Toulouse on a trek in in that he wants to capture real scenes of uh, yeah. of a city." And um, so I'm going to have a piece in in Axios kind of talking about this and then people can actually see some of these and 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 understand how people from the outside perceive us, you know, how these paintings, what these paintings tell people in France about Chicago. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> no, that's, I, I'm sorry, but I just keep going back. I'm just people in France are like, my lords. What is Why do they drink that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they're never going to. Now, by the way, you during this publicity tour, you drank some Malort. I did. How'd that go for you? I did not like it. Um, <laughs> but I learned from you that you said that, is it your fourth, after your third. fourth one? After, after the third. third one. Okay. Yeah, after the third one. Yeah. Because it's, it's repulsive. The fr- I mean, I this is the worst shit I've ever tasted in my life. I said, I, I literally was like, after I did the shot, I was like, that's the worst shit I've ever tasted in my life. And the bartender's like, yeah, I know. Just wait. <laughs> Wow. And I'm not kidding. By the third one, it became my shot of choice for many years. You know what? Did you learn that just from experience? Yeah. Well, also, I don't know if you, if you, uh, you know, the bottle used to, I don't know if they still, because I don't drink anymore, but I, uh, but the bottle used to come with uh, a little pamphlet attached to the bottle, you know. And it told you that third thing? Yeah. And the, 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 the Uh. phrasing was by the third one, we'll have you. And yes. I remember reading it before I actually had the first shot of it. I read because they gave me the material. They, the, the bartender was like, here, try this Malort. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I thought I drank every type of liquor known to mankind. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I was reading it. And I was like, oh, okay. So by the third shot, you might find it terrible until the third shot. And then we have you. And by the third shot, I was like, yeah, that's true. So the literature is true. Well, that that because when you said that, I was remembering you said that, and then I was reading this ad, and it says, even for fathers, the first shot is hard to swallow. Persevere. When he makes it past two shock glasses, 
With the third, he could be ours forever. That's it. That's pretty yeah. much that's 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 paraphrasing what's on the uh, yeah. what's on the actual. I'll send it to you. Yeah, no, please do. I would. I love that's fantastic. I love that kind of stuff. But uh, but boy, I'll tell you, it's amazing to me how Malort keeps following you around. Now what? Now did you do it? You did, you drank the Malort like during an interview, correct? I did it. Uh, yeah, on WGN on Johnny and I always forget the name. The late night show. Stephen Johnny. Stephen Johnny's show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, and uh, my co-writer Dave Hammond had a small bottle and he said, "Oh, you've never had it. Well, why don't you pour it in a glass?" And boy. That was bitter. I like bitter, but boy, that was really bitter. Yeah, I, it was really funny because like I had a guy on many years ago on my on my show came in the studio on my late night show, and my producer at that time of my late night show was Dan Chagru, who coincidentally produced Stephen Johnny's show for many years before. Oh, that. okay. Uh, and I had a guy on to celebrate the anniversary of Malort, and he was like a one of the guys who, who worked for the distribution company. Oh boy. And he came in and we talked about Malort. And at that time I was still a drinking man. And, um, and you know, we were talking about Malort and, and the history of it and everything. And Dan Chagru, my producer, had never tried it before. And mm-hmm. I didn't know this. And we were all like going to do a shot of Malort at the end of the interview. So the interview happens. We do the shot. And this was after we had already gone to commercial. It was in, you know, we were into news already. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't on the air. So we did the shot, and then I looked at Dan, and I saw his face, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You've never – I just looked at his face, and I said, you've never had Malort before, have you? Oh, and did <laughs> you take you a picture you... and do hashtag No, we didn't. Oh. I just assumed he had it. I just assumed he had had Malort because oh. he joined us. I'm like, yeah, hey, let's, let's all do a shot. So I thought he did it because most people are like, nah, I don't want to drink that shit. I've heard so much terrible stuff about it. Yeah. But he did the shot, and as soon as I saw his face, like he did the shot. And to me, it was like – at that point, it was like doing a shot of water. For me, it was like boom. Really? Oh yeah, no, 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 yeah. And and so I look at Dan and I see that look on his face, that Malort look that you had probably in yeah. the studio. Yeah, called uh, Malort face. Yeah. Just ha- hashtag it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I saw Dan and I was like, wait a minute, did you? Is this your first shot of Malort? He's like, yeah. Oh god. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, we should have done this on the air. I had I just assumed he had done a shot of Malort. But yeah. You can always tell if someone's never done a shot of Malort, and I'm and I guarantee you, I did not see. Uh, you take that shot of Malort on the air, um, but I guarantee you that you made that face. I guarantee. Oh yeah, you. and they took a picture of it. And put oh, it up. good. I can, okay. I can send that. To send you that well. to me too. Please do. Yeah. Please send that to me as well. well I, I, I want to so see it. Monica's Malort face. That's what I want. Are to you see. supposed to sip it or shoot? No, no, shot. Boom, okay. shoot. Shot. It. Yeah, okay. It's okay. a shooter. Yeah. Okay. No, you don't want to prolong. <laughs> you don't want to sip it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was my problem. <laughs> oh, did you sip it? I did. Yeah. Oh no! I was afraid. No! No! Yeah. No! no, no. Well, see, that's again, that's what's going to happen. It's going to make it even worse because if you sip it, it's going to be <laughs> now you got to get that shit down. You know, it's like, boom, oh, you just. Boy. Yeah. Okay. So the next time you when you when you're on your way to your third shot, when you start drinking okay. it regularly, make sure you shoot it. Make sure got you it. Shoot. We're so. we're um, we're actually going to Champagne for the oh. what can oh Pygmalion Festival. Oh, of course. In September. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sponsored by Malord. You're ki- Malort in Champagne. I can't yeah. believe this. There's a bar just, with Malort on tap in Champagne. It's in stats. I can't. I swear to God, Monica, it was no, no one knew what Malort was yeah. when I first started drinking it. I started drinking it in the early 90s. That's wow. when I started drinking Malort. And it was I and, and I'm telling you, Simon's was like the only place that had it. And they at one point they were the biggest sellers of Malort in the country. Wow. Simon's was. At one point, they were going through cases of it, and nobody else anywhere in Chicago, anywhere, was selling it. And now 
Making you know, a comeback. The, the hipsters are, are, and now it's in champagne on tap. I can't yeah. even, <laughs> I, I, my mind is boggled. You have successfully boggled my mind today. I'll send you a picture. Oh, my son, just, you're going to have to send me a whole bunch of pictures, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. All right, so you were in France, and now you're going to be writing a piece about the exhibit uh, for, yeah. for Axios. Yeah. Yep, okay. and that should be sometime next, this week or, or next week. Okay. Um, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, it was just a weird thing to find. I also went to a steak and shake um, in, throughout southern France. Speaking of okay, champagne. So I was going to say champagne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, see, so there's a steak and shake in France. They're, they're all over the south of France. In tiny towns in the south of France, there are all these steak and shakes. And, you know, when Roger Ebert was my mentor, he was the yeah. guy who got me into journalism. He, he was dating my mom when I was in grade school, and he, he became a mentor throughout life. Yep. And he, you know, one of his greatest things was when I went to, uh, when I went to um, U of I, he said, okay, you have to. Well, he, first of all, he said, you have to go to U of I, because that's where he went. Yeah, okay, course. fine. And then he said, um, you, uh, we're going to go to Steak and Shake to um to eat every time i go down there okay and then you know and his uncle bill was in a nursing home in um champagne and i would have to um i would i didn't have to i wanted to take uncle bill out to take yeah. um every other week and uh it would have just delighted roger to know that can nice marseille all these small insane. towns all have a steak and shake it's crazy i mean i don't even understand what's happening right now you're talking about Steak and Shake in France and Malort in Champagne. I don't know what's going on. I swear <laughs> I, to God. The world is crazy. Globalization, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, my friends went to, you know, I didn't go to, I dropped out of, of Colombia, but I had friends who went to school in Champagne, and so we would go down there on the weekends to get loaded, and we'd go down there and drink. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we would eat at Steak and Shake. That was, we would do, because that was the yeah. only place you could go. That was the, I mean, right there in, were no yeah, other Steak and Shakes. Yeah, and, on Green and, Street. It's, it actually started in normal Illinois, but it was huge in in Champaign, especially there, you know in the fifties when Roger was growing up. When I when I went there when I went down to Champaign to to drink every other weekend in the eighties, um, there was a bar on Green Street where they would sing American Pie every night at midnight. Oh right, was that was that Murphy's or was that? I want to uh, say it was Murphy's. Yeah. It was a basement. Like you'd walk down a few steps, and it was like a. It was like a. It was a. It was. It was like in a not a basement, but like street level, but below the street, like below the street level, about six. Oh, feet. it was. It was the. Del, was it the deluxe? The deluxe, maybe, yeah. But every yeah. every night at midnight, everybody in the bar would sing. They would play American Pie, and everybody in the bar would sing. Wow. Uh, and that was a big thing, and 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 it was always annoying. And that's that was our cue to go to Steak and Shake because when people started singing, people started singing because I hate that song. And so when people started singing American Pie, we're like, let's, let's go to Steak and Shake now. <laughs> That is so. Oh, O'Malley's Pub. Yeah. Oh man, that's what it was exactly. Yeah. O'Malley's, yeah, yeah. O'Malley's. Uh, and that's funny when my when my son uh, when when I went to to Marseille, he said, "Hey, mom, uh, meet us up, meet it, meet us at O'Malley's tonight." There's oh, so God. many um, yeah. Irish pubs in sort of the downtown area of Marseille. Like, join, okay. us in, jo- join us in in uh, in France. Uh, join us at O'Malley's for a shot of Malort on tap. That's yeah, unbelievable. Pretty much. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, so now I do want to talk a little bit about uh, one of the bars that I used to hang out in. I'm just going to tie this in uh, uh, somehow. Uh, is I used to play. I used to hang out at this bar called Ricochets. That was a place that I drank a lot. And it's in the heart of uh, it's in the heart of Logan Square. It's right down the street from the Davis, um, and it's right next to the Western Brown Line stop. 
You That's mean Lincoln Square, not Lincoln, Lincoln Square. Square. What did I yeah. say, Logan? You said Logan, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Lincoln. Yes, Lin- sorry, Lincoln Square. So it's right sure. down the street from the Davis, and it's right by the Western Brown Line stop. That's yeah. the ricochets. I, I used to drink yeah. there all the time. They had the rabbit in the window. Yep, ricochet yeah. rabbit. Yeah, yeah, from the cartoon. Yeah, zing, exactly. zing, zing, ricochet yep. rabbit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I drank a lot of booze in that place. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> but I was looking, and you said that there's now a gelato shop in Lincoln Square that does sideshow attractions. What? Yeah, is it's happening? not far. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. This guy named Jay Bliznick from the Underground Film Festival. Oh, I know him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He became a chef. And um, at a high-end place, and then he started um, studying with a gelato master from Italy, and then he started sending some of this gelato to Penn Gillette, um, who sent who who helped him with his Kickstarter, put it on his social media, and became an investor. And then, along with some COVID Chicago recovery money, he has got this two storefront. Um, Curio Museum slash Performance Stage slash Gelateria that he opened up this month. That's and amazing. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's so fun and so interesting. And, you know, you talk to the scoopers. I talked to the scooper named Dylan. He says, oh, yeah. He said, I'm um, I'm a full-time musician. He said, I'm 23 years old. I've been doing this for 30 years. But don't bump. So they're all, like, studying to become performers. He said, he said, two of us scoopers are magicians, two of us are jugglers, and one of us is a contortionist. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> Of course, if Penn Jillette's going to put up the money for this, you got to have that kind of stuff there. Yeah, and oh. um, and when it gets slow, they'll just you know go out from behind the the gelato bar and they'll start doing tricks. And they have the stuff from um, old Riverview stuff. They have a oh. whole area of like shrunken heads and tallest and wh- man in the world stuff. One more time, what's the name of the place? Where is it? It's called Sideshow Gelato, okay. and it's uh, on it's on Western, right around okay. the corner from uh, Ricochets, and. Um, and it's just fascinating. And on it, there, there's no no admission charge except on Saturday nights when they have just you can give a donation to see some performances. But oh, otherwise, a, you that, go in there. And it's so entertaining. Okay. Well, first of all, and now how's the gelato? Excellent. You know, Is it? when I interviewed Bliznik, he said, you know, people, I hope, will come for the sideshow. But then when they get there, they'll be like, whoa, this is incredible gelato. Yeah. Um, and he makes it he makes it all these really interesting flavors. There's also a mystery flavor that you can taste and you have to, like, um, guess what it is. Uh, he's got oh, one flavor called Cheng and Eng, which was like these famous, you know, conjoined twins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like ginger and Chinese flavors. Anyway, it's fascinating. Oh, that's amazing. Wow, that sounds like so much fun. So it's on Western in Lincoln Square, Sideshow Gelato. Yep. yep. Oh, that's so yep. great. I'm so glad we were able to talk about that. That's great. Well, um, you should I'll, have Jay on your show. Oh, no. I Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm going yeah. to start making calls as soon as I'm done yeah. recording with you. Yeah. I didn't know that he was behind that. I've had him on my show in the past. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, amazing. That's amazing. So very, very cool. All right. Well, Monica, always a pleasure. Welcome back from France. Congratulations to your son. Thanks so much. Uh, congratulations on the success of the book, Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. You and David Hammond put that together, and it's a great book. Um, and it's always a pleasure. So it's just a delight to talk to you all the time, Monica. And it's, uh, Same it's, here. So fun to talk to you, Nick. It's great stuff. And we'll talk soon, okay? 
Absolutely. Take All care. All right, Monica, take care. Thanks. That's uh, Monica Eng. She's the best. You should check out her book, Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. And check her out on Axios. Axios.com slash local. Click on to uh, Chicago and you will get uh, the newsletter, which is put together by great people, including the great Justin Kaufman, who I used to work with over at the car wash. So anyway, Monica Eng rules. You know who else rules? Esmeralda Lee. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda It's time to uh, talk to Esmeralda Leon, as we do on every episode. And uh, Esmeralda Leon is here. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. How was your? Uh, it's the it's the beginning of the week. Weekend. How was your weekend? Mm-hmm. Anything? Anything? Uh, you did the Father's Day thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was all right. We just hung out at home uh, at my parents' house in Joliet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, the, you, did your dad have a lovely Father's Day? Yeah, we just uh, made some food at home. So yeah, that's what we did too. We did the same thing um, on on uh, on the lovely uh, on lovely Father's Day. Nice, nice uh, weather. Beautiful weather. My God, it was beautiful on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know. So before the uh, air gets filled with, uh, you know, pollution from the NASCARs driving around in the city, that'll be fun. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stay as far away as from downtown as possible. I would, I, I would think that that would be a smart thing to do. That would, uh, that would be a good decision, I think, on everybody's part is to stay away from the downtown area on uh, the first and second of July. Wow, it's just going to be so crazy. But I guess it's, it's going to bring in revenue. I guess it's good for the city in terms of like money. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just all I know is that I'm I I wouldn't go there if you paid me. So uh, there you go. Do you know how much it is? A general admission ticket to to what well, i mean parts of the city where you can watch it or yeah to go see no. it's between 200 and 300 dollars to watch a car go past you yeah yep because that's essentially what's going to happen a bunch of cars are going to fly by you yeah is yeah. I, I would imagine it's more <laughs> i would imagine those tickets are more at the finish line right i would think um you know or the starting gate and the finish line because they're probably the same thing because i don't know what the route is but like that's like, you know, if you go to watch the marathon in the city, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go and watch the, the Chicago marathon and you pick oh. one part of the city and they just kind of run past you and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. That- so um, to be in the area where it's the start and the finish. Yeah. Right. That is going to start at uh, 1200. Of course it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Okay. I just love it's Yeah. Okay. Twelve hundred dollars. Cool. Uh, Good luck uh, well, to everybody. That beginning though, that uh, wherever the, I don't even know. I, seriously, I don't even know. I, I guess it's near. I, my guess is like it's near Buckingham Fountain, where the start. Where do, does it say where the? I mean, I can just go look start, at that for free. Because yeah, I have but, no. Know. Yeah, I know, but I'm but but but, I, but not when there are not when there are nine hundred NASCARs that are not, down there. No. Not when a car drives by though. Yeah, but I but I guess like. 
that's where the start. I mean, I guess they'll have like I would I would guess they're probably. Gonna, I mean, they are. They're, they're having live bands and stuff, so I guess all that's included. Because I guess at Petrillo, yeah, they're having um, like a concert with a. I guess some big names are coming in. Um, sure, to, the Black Crows. Black Crows. Well, those are that's a big name. That's a big band. I, I guess. Mean, no, they are. Nineteen ninety-eight. Well, you know, they still sell out. They still sell out stuff. I mean, you know, and they still and the two brothers still hate each other. So that's that's mm. interesting. Um, but yeah, so there's a con- there's concerts going on, and then uh, I guess they'll probably have food food carts and you know like a Taste of Chicago kind of thing since they shut down Taste of Chicago for it, or they moved it right. Taste of Chicago. Yeah, they moved it. Um, yeah. So all right, twelve hundred bucks to to go downtown to a place where you can you can hang out for free normally, uh, mm-hmm. just just mm-hmm. because loud car <laughs> loud, loud loud cars are going to be there. Okay, that's great. That's great. But people, you know what? I'll tell you something. NASCAR, they have uh, very, very passionate followers. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, lot of people like the NASCAR. I'm not one of them I'm at all. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll watch Talladega Nights because it's funny. Um, and Molly Shannon's in it. But I'm not going <laughs> to not gonna, not gonna do the NASCAR thing. That's not in my not in my wheelhouse. So interesting to see because how that how works many out. how long are they going? Because aren't these things like hours? Well, yeah, they go I mean, around I so many I, times. I, I don't. I have no. I seriously don't know the details to this. I know that it's going to be an inconvenience and it's going to suck for yeah to, to be downtown <laughs> for well, you know, from from right about now until the uh, it's week. fifty-five laps, I believe. Okay, so they're doing it fifty-five. Yeah, they're laps. gonna they're gonna do fifty-five laps. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to, <laughs> so you can't just so they'll have barriers up, which means you can't just like go okay. They they went they did one, uh, they did one lap around this neighborhood. Let's go to a different neighborhood to see lap number no. thirty, and then let's go no. to the so you because <laughs> you could conceivably do that during the marathon. You could go to one part of the what are the because I've done that. I've had friends who who ran the marathon, and then you know you want to go to certain parts of it to say to say hi to them as they run past you. You know, right? At different parts well, of the marathon. Well, here's the thing. Um, so the track is, you know, there's going to be areas with stands, right? right? Right. And then some of these parts, like you can't be by it because it's street. Right. You know what I mean? So like part of it is Lakeshore Drive. Like you, there's nowhere for you to no, go. No, you're going to get stand on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> no, it's not going to work out. <laughs> Um, parts of it are Columbus, which there is sidewalk, but I doubt they're going to let you. It's no, that'll be, be blocked. That will be blocked. It'll off. all there's be closed no off. Question that'll be blocked off. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, um, yeah, they like to block. Columbus gets blocked off all the time. <laughs> yeah, Columbus is. One I'm of, curious. I Colum- yeah, I'm curious how much it'll be if you want to go to any of the hotels oh. that have like restaurant rooftops and stuff around there because there's a few i know yeah. of yeah. um i'd be curious if they're like oh yeah it's a whatever fee oh no they're gonna, gonna get j- to see it yeah everything will be everything will be jacked everything or that's will be part jacked. of the whatever they're doing and then the, it's completely off limits yeah i don't know it's uh, it'll be it'll be weird all i know is it's going to be a com- it's going to be a pain in the ass and inconvenience and i don't like uh, nascar so i don't care about any of this yeah shit. yeah nobody <laughs> no they, they don't come up to our neighborhood so we're safe yeah exactly <laughs> i don't need to even be a part of it the problem is though like it it's it's affecting people's commutes now 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've, like, they've already closed streets. Um, yep. As of this, they closed uh, streets the day before. And on top of that, they were rushing because, you know, we're going to have so many tourists and people coming in from out of town. Not just people who are participating in the race, but their families and their friends and, you know, fans of NASCAR and people who are coming in to watch the race or be a part of it who are NASCAR fanatics. Because there are people who follow NASCAR around. There are a lot of those people. So in addition to that, they have been fixing up the Kennedy, as you know. They've been like, Mm -hmm. and that's been, the Kennedy's been a nightmare now for like a month. And I don't know if you've if you've uh, taken a bus or, or had anybody or, or driven down Lakeshore Drive lately, but that was a nightmare. Uh, at, I mean, at, at some points, like sometimes I'll, I'll catch a ride with Steve Procopi because he, you know, he drives and I'll see him at screenings. And afterwards, you know, we're going kind of to the same neighborhood. So I jump in the car and, and grab a ride with him. And a lot of our screenings are at the River East downtown or someplace in the screening room downtown. Mm-hmm. And then we take Lakeshore Drive up and it's a fucking nightmare. It's been a nightmare. Like, full-on lane closures all the way down to one lane. They've been fixing it to make sure that all the people who are coming into town can drive down Lakeshore Drive smoothly. So they've been doing all that and the Kennedy to get ready for this. Um, So travel by car has been a real pain in the ass over the past month. And now all the stuff downtown is going to be blocked off, and it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, but you know what? Look at them out of the kindness of their hearts. They have volunteer opportunities. Oh, oh! so you don't get paid to help out. It's a volunteer situation. Exactly. They have some part where you don't get paid. You just go get, you get to watch. You get to watch after a car. shift. You get to watch a car fly by after you've dealt with people. And it might after be a, your shift. And it could yes. very well be that day, in addition to it being loud and smoky and carbon monoxide and all kinds of stuff flying all over the place, it might be 100 degrees because it's July. Um, Five hours. Five hours. Five-hour volunteer shift. No, 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 no. <laughs> to go, then you're, um, then you get, you're granted the the complimentary general admission ticket. Oh, so you get a general admission ticket, and maybe they give you a coke. The, yeah, right. The, I can't even imagine. And also, in addition to <clears throat> what's been happening, that's now, so ridiculous. It, by the way, that's insanity. Like yeah. they don't have the money to just pay people. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not sure what a volunteer would do. What would they, uh, seat people? Yeah, and they stuff? just stand I mean, around and you know and say, direct yeah, people places and stuff. Go, here's yeah. the, go over here. There's the where's Buckingham Fountain, and they're standing right in front of it. It's right there. Oh my it's god, the, I would do this and then just not care. Yeah, and then be like, give me my ticket. <laughs> yeah, give me my ticket so I can sell it. So I, don't have to, <laughs> so I can scalp the ticket. That, but the the other thing is that <clears throat> in addition to you know like. All the stuff that they are now closing and that are, you know, like all the alternate routes that you have to take if you're going to try to to move around downtown and and, Mm -hmm. and around the downtown area where this crap is going to take place. And that's going to continue. Those road closures are going to happen and and they're going to slowly open up downtown and it's going to take about a week. I'm going to see Dave at Northerly Island Mm. um, the weekend after. And Northerly Island is smack dab. That's, That's like... To get to northerly, <clears throat> to get to northerly island, you have to take a route that is part of this NASCAR thing. So I don't know what's going to happen. This is July seventh and eighth, so it's a week after, and they 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 say that they're still going to be opening up and trying to get things back to normal for a week after. So I'm assuming that, I mean, it's already. Have you ever gone to northerly island? You have, haven't you? Yeah, I've been yeah. there. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's a, it's it's a pain in the ass, and and. And I can't even imagine 
you know, it's already kind of a pain in the butt to go there without any kind of, you know, roads being blocked off or restrictions or detours. But mm-hmm. now added to that, it's like, oh, it's already a really unplace, uh, unpleasant place to see a show and to get to and to get out of. So I can't, I can't even imagine uh, <laughs> what a nightmare that's going to be. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, well, we got that to look forward to um, over the next. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's this weekend coming up. It's a week from this weekend. July 1 and 2. Right. July 1 and 2. Saturday and Sunday, July 1st and 2nd. So that this coming weekend, we got one more week after that. So it's in two weekends. Oh, my God. I know what I'll be doing on July 1st. I'm going to be watching the WWE pay-per-view Money in the Bank. That does oh, not, re- that does not require me to go anywhere except to my parents' house because they have Peacock. <clears throat> that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> I will be traveling one mile west from where I live right now to watch the Money in the Bank pay-per-view instead of going downtown and trying to deal with loud cars and lots of dumb people. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would and I can't stuff. imagine people driving through there. I, like at the time no can you no i <clears throat> i can't even like you know you, what i mean like yeah. you know there's people going to be driving around just yeah. in general <laughs> yeah and i don't know Ugh. if the i don't know um where i you know wait a second now let me let me uh because i'm wondering if just people will be coming in from mm-hmm. out of town for that mm-hmm. but but the, but a, the question is are the cubs in town um that weekend and they are <laughs> yeah of course there's it's gonna be the oh my god and the, oh by the way perfect storm by the way that that weekend that saturday oh my god because uh the nascar thing on day one i would imagine i mean this is going to be during the day obviously mm-hmm. the cubs have a night game on a saturday at wrigley so that is going to be unbelievable to even be so, yeah. around so there's gonna be people like we're gonna go see our nascar and then we're and gonna then go to the cubs, go game. cubs game and then the cubs the cubs are playing the the uh, so we'll have because they're playing the guardian so the, so people from cleveland will be in from out of town they'll make a whole weekend of it let's go watch yeah. Na- people from people from ohio are gonna be like let's watch nascar and then we'll go to the cub games because the cubs are playing cleveland at home that weekend <laughs> so so wrigley wrigley field a night game on a saturday which is um Oof. That's just no. they used to not do no. that. They used to not have night games on um, on weekends. Uh, that was like one of the rules when they first started. When they, when the lights first came on, they were like, "You can't do night games on mm-hmm. weekends." Uh, yeah. But but again, if you're you know you've got like millions of people who are going to come to town to watch NASCAR, you gotta say, "Hey, we're having a night game at Wrigley. Come to Wrigley." You know what I mean? To get people to come to Wrigley. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like you said, um, a lot of the streets aren't opening immediately after right um they have a they have a thing of like anticipated openings for the street closures and one of the later ones is the 13th <laughs> isn't that insane this thing start this thing, this thing ends july 2nd so it takes two weeks they finish to... it in july 2nd and they're gonna till the 13th they're gonna right. have balbo uh closed from columbus to lakeshore drive <laughs> That's, I mean, so Balbo closed from Columbus to Lakeshore Drive, and that's two weeks after the event. Still, it's two weeks yeah. after the event. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's going to suck to get to Dave then, because that's a week after. It's going to suck to get to Northerly Island. Yeah. I, I can't even. So, it's <laughs> what's crazy is it's streets and sidewalks. I know. It's, oh my God. 
oh, this is just going to be well. So they have a whole schedule of sidewalk closures as well. And a couple of those won't open till the 15th. Oh. All right. <laughs> well, so that's going to be a pain I, if you're downtown trying to walk around. I hope this, <laughs> there's going to be closures. I mean, you got to walk all the way around. <laughs> I hope the city makes a lot of money. I, I, I hope they make a lot of money on this. That's that's the only thing that. Uh, that could possibly be, I mean, because I'm, you know, we're locals. I'm like, I'm not impressed by this shit. I don't care about NASCAR at all. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, people like who is this benefiting? Like, to me, unless I'm in the car, I don't care that they're driving through the city. Like, who's, is that, that's fun for who? The drivers. <laughs> well, like, it's not even, no, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, I don't know if you've. I mean, heard about this, but the drivers are complaining because the track that they are that they are setting up for this whole event is uh, much more narrow than the regular track that they drive on. So it's not going to be, you know, it's not. I like, mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's regular gonna, old street. Yeah, but but they're actually <laughs> constructing stuff around the streets to make it look like it to make it a track because there are very strict regulations for NASCAR. I don't know what they are, but there are regulations to like the car has to be a certain size and there has to be a certain requirement mm-hmm. that the car has and the track itself has to meet certain requirements. And um, so NASCAR has voiced their concern about portions and stretches of this track that they're going to be constructing on these streets uh, is not suitable for the cars and doesn't doesn't actually reach the standards of NASCAR. That's one of the things that, they're, that right. they're concerned about. I mean, looking at the picture. So if you go to the the NASCAR website for this. Yeah. Um it looks so narrow. It looks yeah, just Yeah. That's so what they've been saying. Narrow. That's what the, that's what the NASCAR tiny. the NASCAR people have been saying that. They've been saying like this God, this, it looks like a it looks like a like a a go-kart track. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, I'm not going. Whoa, I wonder who else is going. Good luck to them. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. She has a T-shirt that says, I will not be going to NASCAR in Chicago. That's what her T-shirt says. (laughs) Not Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hey, my dad's stopping by uh, to tell a joke. Uh, a little bit later on, as he always yeah, does. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, 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 man. All right. So, um, you know, we had a uh, uh, a megaphone message that uh, was about Steve Harvey uh, on the mm-hmm. last episode, and that got us talking about Steve Harvey hosting Family Feud and all that stuff, and then that got us talking about um, game shows, and we just kind of, with the tip of the iceberg of game shows. Um, and we talked about some of those, and uh, we got a lot of feedback on that. I got some emails about people oh, saying, "Hey, great. I love this. I love this, and I love this uh, game show and that game show." Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have another uh, magic megaphone that uh, message again. If you want to leave a magic megaphone, you want me to say something. I am the monkey. You want me to say something into the magic megaphone that's a private joke or a message that you want to give to someone or some kind of thing. You want just you just want to be a part of the podcast. You can do that. Uh, again, uh, you can leave us a voicemail 24-7 at 773-417-6948. You can even email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, Ben from the South Side uh, just simply said, and by the way, uh, I want people to know that I, I did move Ben's Magic Megaphone up on the list. Sorry. There are some people who have left Magic Megaphone messages, 
But this one was more timely. So this guy jumped the line a little. That's all I'm saying. Because we have like a you know we have a, a backup, a little bit of ba- a little bit of a backup of the magic megaphones. But that should not discourage you from leaving your magic megaphone message. Uh, but this one uh, got in this week. All right, so you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here's Ben from the South Side says this. Talk about rules. Talk about rules. So talk about rules. So talk about as we talked about. Talk about. All right, shut up. Um, <laughs> is the is this ridiculous Canadian game show from the late '80s, early '90s? You can tell mm-hmm. by you can tell by the uh, the, the fashion. Uh, and it's a it's a it's a show where people and, we, and I told you what it was about. It's where you get a subject and you have to just continue to rattle off and talk about it until keywords that are on this list pop up that you say and you match them. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was just watching it. I'm not kidding. Just before we started recording this, because I, as I told you, it's on early in the morning. We are recording. I don't want to break the illusion, but we're recording early in the morning. And um, and right before we started recording this is when Talk About is on Buzzer. So if you want to watch it, if you have Buzzer, it's on 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. that's, when, that's when it's on. So I was watching it, and, they, the, and one guy had like a really terrible porn mustache and a, bad, and a bad ponytail. Oh, boy. And giant shoulder pads in his suit. So uh, it seriously was a very distinctive fashion time. And I guess, <laughs> I guess that's that was a thing in Canada at one point was dressing like that. Um, so one of the topics was omelets. So what would you if you were to tell right, Esmeralda? I'll omelets. give you omelets. You have like I think it's sixty seconds to talk about omelets. So just mm-hmm. d- just describe omelets or how you know like talk yeah. about yeah. Uh, so so all right, I'll give you sixty seconds. Okay. And you you talk about omelets, and then I'll try to remember what the keywords were that they had, and if you said any of them. Okay. okay. All right. So, mm-hmm. all right. I'll give you. Uh, I'll see if I've got my timer. Hold on. Let me get my timer. Hang on a second. I'm gonna make this mm-hmm. official. Hold on a second. Let me get my timer. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, uh, wait. Hold on. I'm gonna give you a minute. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Let me get this ready. All right. Make this official. And I will give you, and you have to talk about omelets, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Got it. Go. So omelets you can have for breakfast. You can have for brunch. They are an egg dish. Usually it's eggs mixed with vegetables uh, all chopped up, and then you, you put them in a frying pan, and you cook them up. Um, you can put cheese in it. There's... um different kinds of omelets you know you can have one baked there's um different types of the with the ingredients you can have like a denver omelet um they're fluffy and very yellow sometimes you put milk in it or cream um okay so it's 30 seconds sorry there you go 30 seconds okay Okay, so they give you 30 seconds so here are the the words that you said during that that were actually Mm -hmm. on the uh, that were actually on the list when i watched it okay so these are the words you got. Now they they have ten, by the way, there are ten words on each list. Yeah. And you said one, two, three, four, five. You got you said six of the ten. Damn. See, so, look at me. I can so, kill this game. And then but then the other thing is so there are four left, but then your partner yeah. gets to go next. So they get a thirty mm-hmm. seconds to try and get all the other four. Yeah. And then what happens is if you don't get the other four, 
they reveal them to the other to the team that has not been. They've had their headphones on. They're not listening. Mm-hmm. So that that team comes out and they reveal those four words, and you have to guess what you what the other people were talking about. Do you know what I mean? It's based on the words yeah. that they didn't say. So you got breakfast, egg, chop, frying mm-hmm. pan, cheese, mm-hmm. and milk. Nice. Now you said, and here's the, here's the thing. When I was watching it, uh, um, when I was watching it, I was like, um, well. I said Denver. Yeah. Yeah, is, I thought, yeah, I thought that was going to be yeah. a big, because, yeah, that's it, kind of a... And Denver was not on the list. Like, what, what, maybe in Canada, a Denver omelet's not a big thing. True. Oh, but, right. And but Canadian, in, so, But yeah. they had Spanish. Spanish was a, was a, was a word. That oh, was yeah, they might, yeah, because, you know, they're different. Yeah, so I was <laughs> Our neighbors thinking, to the north. <laughs> uh, maybe they don't like, they, they don't have the Denver omelet in Canada, because the, the, that's the first omelet that comes in, and the western the, the Western omelet, but the Denver omelet's the one that pops into my head immediately. When I think of an omelet, that's the first one that comes into my head, or the name of an omelet. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I didn't, I completely forgot that they were, because they're Canadian, why yeah. would they be Denver omelets? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even, and then I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. This stupid-ass show is from Canada. So, <laughs> But anyway, that's the idea. So mm-hmm. the idea is to talk as much as you can and try to knock off as many keywords as possible. Yeah. So you, you did good. Oh, I could six, do it. Six out of ten. That's good. Mm, 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 that's good. Mm, I could do it. And so they – but now here's the thing was the couple that chose uh, omelets, their their other choice was – because they give you two topics mm-hmm. to choose from. And they say – and uh, the, the guy's like, okay, you can either talk about omelets. And the other topic was Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, God. And <laughs> they immediately went omelets. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that seems difficult. Yeah, it, it's, he's my favorite writer, so I would have gone with Edgar Allan Poe. Um, but, yeah. but like when I saw them do Edgar Allan Poe, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, they're picking omelets. So then I thought, oh, well, the other team now is going to be stuck with Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. They gave them two completely different topics. And I'm like, well, oh. so, wait, so Edgar Allan Poe gets screwed? Like no, <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like, like no Edgar Allan Poe? Wait a minute, why is that? So, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, all right, well, that's Talk About. And Ben from the South Side thinks it rules. So, if you want to watch it very early in the morning, weekdays at 7.30 a.m. Central, you can watch it on Buzzer. If you want to see a really terrible Canadian host say, talk a boot, and, and watch people who don't know what a Denver omelet is. So, that's, that's basically right. <laughs> try uh, your try your hand at it i guess yeah now did you well. ever watch did you ever watch hollywood squares that's one of the legendary um yeah i it was fine because there are so I, many there were different... i wouldn't go on the show i wouldn't want to be on the show but yeah. i did like watching the squares because all you got to do is basically you're playing tic-tac-toe and you all you have to do is say agree or disagree that's basically all right. the contestants do yeah, um, which was to me like if if I was gonna be on a show, I would not want to be on that show for that reason. But the squares themselves were fun. Yeah. Now the classic one from the seventies uh, was the best with Paul Lind in the middle as mm-hmm. your as your center square. Mm-hmm. That was the best. But then there yeah. was the one that because you had and that was Peter Marshall was your host, and then you had the one that John Davidson hosted, and I can't remember. I think. Uh, J Jim J M J M Bullock, the guy from uh, Too Close for Comfort, Monroe. Yeah, Too, he was the center square at one point, which he's just essentially uh, 
the Paul, Paul Lynn yeah, yeah, of exactly. the 80s. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, but then they had the one in the 90s that Tom Bergeron was the host. And do you remember who the center square was there? Uh, No. Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg. No, really? Yeah, she was the center square in, in, in the in the reboot in the 90s that they did. Tom Bergeron was the host, and Whoopi Goldberg was the center square. And then the 80s, uh, it was uh, Peter, or, or, I'm sorry, John Davidson and JMJM, Jim JJM Bullock. Mm-hmm. From, uh, he was the center square. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But when Whoopi was the center square, that was like a big deal. It was like, oh, and Whoopi, I think, if, if I remember correctly, she got paid more than any game show regular in the history of game shows to be the center square on Hollywood Square. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she's top tier movie star. What does yeah. she need to be on Hollywood Squares? <laughs> yeah. And now, I mean, well, she's now, I guess she's on one of those women talking shows uh, that are on. There's yeah, like The View. Oh, she's on The View. Okay. I, well, there's like 10 of them, right? There's like The Talk. And there's like, uh, I don't know. There's like five of those shows where it's like six women sitting at a desk yelling at each other. Because there's that one. And then there's The Talk, which used to have, I guess she got fired, but it used to have Ozzy's wife on it. Um, Sharon. Sharon Osbourne was on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know which that was. I believe that's The Talk. Because she's on The View. Whoopi's on The View. And that's got yeah. Joy Be- Behar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the, and then like Elizabeth, what's her name? The 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 conservative that she would yell, they would yell at each other all the time. It was, so it was right. Whoopi Goldberg and and the, and the other girl yelling at each other. And then the other one was the talk, and I think that was with uh, what's her name who hosts uh, Big Brother. She's the host of Joe. Uh, what the hell was her name? The host of Big Brother. Um, is it Joan? Um, oh God, what is her name? Um, Julie Chen. Mm-hmm. So Julie Chen was on this show. I think she's on The Talk, or she was, and Sharon Osbourne was on it, and she got fired. And there was all this controversy about her getting fired. And they were like the competing daytime ladies yell at each other shows. So that's that's all I know. But Whoopi Goldberg is. I think she's still on that show. I think she's still on the View. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. And then, but The Talk. I don't know who's on it now because I remember. I think it was Julie Chen from Big Brother. And I know Sharon Osbourne was on it, and she would always be like screaming, and they fired her for something she said. <laughs> yeah, said she, yeah, because she's Sharon Osbourne, so, <laughs> so she said some shit that was inappropriate. Which I'm surprised she lasted as long as she did on that show. I think she was on that show for a few years. Um, but yeah, but I never. I mean, but there's another one too. There's like the talk. There's this the view, and then there's another one where it's just. Uh, the day, daytime daytime TV, the network daytime TV to me, you know, if it's not game shows and they don't do game shows anymore. The only ones that they have now are Let's Make a Deal with Wayne Brady. Yeah, they're all at night now. And yeah. And uh, and uh, Drew and Drew Carey. The price is right. That's it. Mm-hmm. But in the old days, Esmeralda, daytime TV was all soap operas and game shows. It was most and it, that was yeah. it. It was all soap operas and game shows. Now it's like they're all wacky entertainment based talk shows now or. You know, your Maury Povich kind of, like, talk shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. But, but the landscape of daytime television just used to be nothing but soap operas and game shows. That was it. Um, and then you had your daytime versions of, of and nighttime versions. Like, they had... You remember Match Game, obviously, which is probably yeah. the most... The legendary of all game shows. But they had a Match Game PM. And that would be on at, like, 6.30 before, you know, primetime shows. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, after dark. Yeah, it was at match game PM, and they would have you know like nighttime. Name that tune, night. You know, and all that stuff. Now, now they still have name that tune. I think Fox still has name that tune, and they have that other show. Yeah, they've they've changed it to Beat Shazam. Well, no, they haven't. <laughs> they 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 have Beat Shazam, and they have name that tune because Beat Shazam is Jamie Fox, and his daughter is the DJ, and then name that tune is Jane Krasinski from Thirty Rock. Ah. And the band leader is what's his ass uh, from uh, Hey Dog. From, uh, he lost all that weight on uh, American Idol. Um, the judge on American Idol, the, the African American judge on American Idol. He, he was, yeah, Randy Jackson. So he's like the band leader on Name That Tune. So there's an actual oh, version. Oh wow! Of, yeah, so it's Jane Krasinski is the host. Randy Jackson is the is the uh, band leader. But then you have mm-hmm. Beat Shazam with Jamie Foxx as the host and the DJ is his daughter. And then there's another one called Don't Even Think About Fucking Up the Lyrics or, so, or, or something. Don't even <laughs> um, forget it. Don't forget it. The lyrics. Don't forget the lyrics. Um, and that's also on Fox. Um, wow. And I don't know, they got quite the stranglehold on They call it Million Dollar, million dollar Music Night. They, they, show, uh-huh. they show them back to back. They show the, the, the Jamie Foxx one, and I can't remember who the host is. If for, don't even fucking forget the lyrics or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Name That Tune is a different night. Um, and again, we will now be seeing much more of these because there's a writer's strike. So now you're going to see nothing but shows like <laughs> Nothing but shows like this. Good Lord. So um, do you remember, uh, let's see, what, what, do, you, do you have any other game shows that you watched? Do, were there game shows that you watched when you were a kid that you, are there other ones that, that popped up or any of the, on this list? That stand um, up for? Well, I was actually thinking, I've seen it a few times um, on the social media and such, which is um, a Japanese game. I don't know if they still do it, which oh I God. wish they would do here <laughs> called candy or not candy. Oh my. Oh, so you eat it and you have to figure out whether it's, well, they, it's like objects. And they have to guess if they're candy or not candy by biting oh. into them. Oh, so it's like that because you bite show. into them, you're assuming that they're gonna be candy. It's like that cake show, like that cake that, that Mikey right, Day is on. Right, but it's all like it's literally a room where you're just like, <laughs> I will bite the table. Oh, I'm oh. gonna. I guess it's chocolate <laughs> or whatever. Oh, that's candy. awesome! Hell yeah, I'd watch that. And so yeah, they're just like going around the room, just like they'll bite something. And you know if they guess correctly, yay! But yeah, if you you lose if you guess incorrectly, is it and called? Also, you get a full of metal or whatever you just bit into. You bite into a hunk <laughs> of wood and you break your teeth. Is it was it is it called? Is it candy? Is that is that what it's called? Or? Uh, candy or not candy? candy. I guess is the rough <laughs> translation. Um, and it looks like it's just all celebrities. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but still. Like, that sounds fun. <laughs> oh, I would watch it. Listen, Japanese television is completely insane. Completely insane. There was an entire... I mean, I I got obsessed with Japanese television for a while because they would they would show, like, um, hour-long specials about the best of Japanese television, including mm. weird-ass game shows. I mean, Japanese television is fucking batshit crazy. They do crazy shit. Like, that's relatively normal. Hey, bite a table and see if it's candy. You know, yeah. compared to compared to other stuff on Japanese television, that's absolutely mainstream. That's normal. I remember they had a show, and I don't know what it was called, but I remember they had a show on Japanese because there were Japanese TV was one of the first. Japan was one of the first places to actually do, um, like, uh, prank television, mm-hmm. like before Eric Andre and before Tom Green and before Jackass, and you know, 
Uh, and, and but I mean, Candid Camera was a prank TV show here in America, but but Jap- Japanese television would take it to an extreme. Like they would actually like one time, I remember watching a show where they there was a guy asleep, okay, mm-hmm. in his room, and a dude they snuck in a cannon, like a live real cannon. Oh God! Uh, like a an actual fucking giant, you know battle cannon and they wheeled mm-hmm. it into this guy's room while he was asleep and they blew it off and blew the wall out of his bedroom like they blew the <laughs> <laughs> and woke him up and the joke was oh and he woke up terrified because a fucking cannon just went right yeah in his bedroom and that was the idea was like how far can we take these insane pranks <laughs> and they would do oh. like crazy shit but they had an entire show that was dedicated and i don't know it can be if it can be Google because I don't know the name of it, but this guy became a famous celebrity in Japan based upon him coming out, jumping out and scaring people. Yeah, like he was, I he was, he was just, and I think he was just like it was translated to screaming guy, because hmm. the entire show consisted of people just walking down the street and him jumping out going Go! and like scaring him <laughs> and that was, that yeah. was it and it That's was like a, a half an, a half an hour show of people shitting their pants because this guy dressed up in a crazy hat in a weird costume and a cane of course of would course. jump out he would jump out from behind a wall and go and then scare the shit out of people and that was a show that was like a top rated show was like screaming guy that was a top rated show in japan I mean, people love to see people get scared or like freak out over things. So yeah. I could see why that's that's a big at, thing. At one, I, I, and at one point, I'm not I'm not kidding, Esmeralda. At one point, I think Screaming Guy was like the biggest celebrity in Japan. Like, yeah, hey, it's Screaming Guy. That. He's he endearing. Just, he would just come out and go Hugga! and scare the shit out of people, and then that was a half an hour show. That was a whole show. That was, that was <laughs> and again, I'd watch that all day. Yeah. I. Totally. The J- Japanese, they, in Japan, they're onto something, man, with that kind of... I, and I would watch the candy or no candy, or is it ca- candy or no candy? Candy, is it candy or not candy, or whatever the fuck it's yeah. called. I'd watch that. I'd watch somebody bite into a table and lose their teeth. I mean, that's fine, because they, they literally, they're in a room. They're just in a room, and it's got <laughs> stuff in it, and you're just kind of like, okay, right. I will guess that this table leg is candy. <laughs> And then you have to bite it. And if it isn't, you lose. You lose your teeth <laughs> and you lose money and all that stuff. Now, now, do you have you watched that show with Mikey Day, the cake show, where is it cake or uh, or not? Have you ever, have you ever uh, watched that? I have not. Isn't that just a competition, though? It it's is. It's like well, a, a baking you, competition. Yeah, but it's also like you have to f- – there is a test on whether what they cut into because what they'll do is they, oh, have a ni- okay. they have a knife. And you have to go, okay, will this knife cut through? You know what I mean? So you have to guess whether it's cake or not. And, mm-hmm. the, and the people who have, ba- who have baked this stuff are capable of baking something, you know, uh, a pastry or a cake that does look exactly like a stereo. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, it, boy, my God, that looks exactly like a stereo. Like, you could walk up to that stereo and you could turn it on and turn the dial and it'll play music. <laughs> or perhaps it's not and you put a knife through it and there's a lovely layer of, of chocolate. A chocolate and or frosting. what if it can do both or if it can do both but you have to bet on whether or not the knife will go through mm-hmm. so it's okay. similar except you don't have to take a bite yeah. you don't right. bite it like in japan you gotta bite in japan you gotta bite it which they should i feel like it should be that way or you should be you should have to stick your hand in it or something yeah it's just a knife it's not it's not as much fun as the prospect of losing one's teeth 
It's not that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not fun. And they're not going to have Screaming Guy come out after you, you know, after you. After oh, you, wow. Yeah. Just that freak would be great. out you, just at the end. You bite into the table, you lose your teeth, and then blah, 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 Screaming Guy comes out and scares yeah. the crap out of you. <laughs> well, you know, you've lost your teeth. You need a little pick-me-up. <laughs> and there's Screaming Guy. Screaming Guy. And then you got this guy. <laughs> what? Now that would be it. Would be like that. Like if that guy ah! was just would just pop up randomly. Like you're on a you're on yeah. the bus and suddenly this guy comes ah! in. Like, get the, ah! And then they do a whole show on that. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese television, man. I we need to like uh, go on a on a just a binge. Like do a do a search online and just watch a bunch of crazy Japanese television because it's really nuts. Really, really nuts. So, I mean, I remember that that whole cannon thing. I remember watching that. They brought a cannon into the... They blew the mm-hmm. wall out of this guy's bedroom. <laughs> like, the wall of this guy's bedroom was blown... Like, blew it out. And they were like, ha, 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 ha. And he's, like, terrified. Wait, wait, someone's had a heart attack. And they're all like, ha, ha. We pulled a little prank on you. We blew the wall out of your bedroom with a cannon. I really hope they fixed it. Could you imagine? They're like, and now we leave. Bye. Now we leave. leave. And uh, your roommate is going to be screaming guy. He's going to move in with you now to pay to help pay for the wall. (laughs) Screaming guy. All right. And I don't know if that's his name. That's all all I know is that that's all he did. I mean, I'm sure he has some elaborate name. He must given him. Yeah. Or it could just be very simple. Screaming guy. Screaming guy. (laughs) Straight into the point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, um, there are so many other uh, game shows. You know which game show I can't watch now because I just find it so uncomfortable? I never really liked it, but I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you ever have you ever gone back and watched, especially the reboots of, of, of Newlywed Game? Um, I've seen every once in a while, and they are a bit cringy. I mean, the people that they have on there are pretty, like, just... Lamos. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a, that was a Chuck Barris uh, production, so you know, I mean Chuck Barris not known for his class or subtlety when it came to making, you know, doing game shows. He was responsible for the Dating Game and and the Gong Show. Like he's you know the guy behind the Gong Show. Um, mm-hmm. And they made that movie about it. it uh, uh, George Clooney directed that movie with Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as as him, and he was supposed to be like there was a, he maintained that he was a CIA spy, which is all bullshit, but. Um, <laughs> but they made that movie out of his life. But he was responsible for some of those really uncomfortable game shows. Like you remember, there was one called Three's a Crowd." So do you? you know I, it sounds familiar, but I never watched it. Are you ready? It was only on for one season, and it's one of those they that they'll show when they're doing like, "Hey, remember this terrible game show?" Like on the Game Show Network or or Buzzer, they'll pop, they'll bust it out. Because it's kind of mm-hmm. legendary. It only lasted one season. And here's, are you ready for the concept of this one? This was a, this was a show that was on in the, I believe, late 70s. Maybe, maybe early 80s, but late 70s probably. And the concept was, it was like, you know, your dating game or your, or, or, or your newlywed game. where you, it, was, it was ask uncomfortable questions to couples to watch them squirm. You know what I mean? It was that of kind course, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's essentially what dating or a newlywed game was. It was like, let's ask really inappropriate, awful questions that will cause these people to fight and perhaps break up after the show. <laughs> so this one was they added a, a little twist to it. So it was a married couple and the guy's secretary. And wow. 
a very I'm specific not, set of yeah. people. Well, that's why it was the 70s. Yeah, every, you know, like, hey, man, you're going to fuck you, my secretary. Everybody had a secretary, and they were all like, you know, they were, you would hire a hot secretary, and you would, you would, you know, cheat on your wife with your hot secretary. That was a thing that guys didn't, businessmen did in the 70s on a regular basis. So the idea for this show was who knows you better, your wife or your secretary? Right. <laughs> and it is literally, if you can, I'm sure you can find it online, Esmeralda. And I, and I, I encourage you to, Watches, you know, before you get so disgusted, you'll turn it off because you'll eventually that'll happen because it's just so awful. But it's fascinating. It's fascinating that this was actually on TV for a while. Like somebody said, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a good idea. Let's. And so there would be like. And everybody you know, like the, the wives would get pissed because the secretaries were, you know, they would know more about the husband. Like the husband would tell stuff to the secretary that he wouldn't tell his wife and. There'd be all kinds of weirdly, inappropriately intimate questions that the secretaries would get right. (laughs) Of course. And the secretaries were inevitably, you know, much hotter and very bimbo-esque compared to the wives. And that was the whole, Mm -hmm. that was the whole, that was the whole point that Chuck Barris wanted. He wanted people to be completely uncomfortable and he wanted these marriages to possibly break up on screen because, (laughs) because the husband. Did he have a stake in like some kind of divorce? I, uh... I. I, I don't know. but Divorce I mean, uh, I, lawyer I would, firm. I got to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Honest to God, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. But yeah, like he made squirmable TV. Like you watched it and you'd be like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance to look up Three's a Crowd. Uh, hey, who knows you better, your wife or your secretary? It's not after newlywed game tonight. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Just awful. I remember what they did a marathon of them because, you know, like sometimes, you know, the game show network and buzzer or whatever, they'll be like, hey, we're going to do a marathon of game shows that didn't work. Oh, God. And and they will show a bunch of shitty game shows that either didn't work or they were pilots and they they were terrible. And they're fascinating to watch. They're great. They're fantastic to watch because awful game shows are great, especially, you know, if they didn't last and they they were they were just awful. We could do that the next time we talk about game shows next time. Um, I'll get a list together and we can talk about some of these. Um, but yeah, but if you ever look it up, Esmeralda, Google Google it or go to YouTube, Three's a Crowd, Chuck Barris, Three's a Crowd, and watch five minutes of it and you will be appalled. <laughs> you will be <laughs> completely appalled. Hey, who knows you better, you or your secretary, you know? <laughs> and it was the 70s, so it was like, yeah, did your secretary sit on your lap and take dictation? Yeah, you know, it's that kind of shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. Yeah, Chuck Barris, man. Oh, God. Yeah, but I was watching the Newly... Do you, do you know that there's a version of the Newlywood game? Because it was always Bobby Eubanks was the host. Mm-hmm. So he was the host of the classic one in the 60s and into the 70s. And then they did a reboot in the uh, late 80s with uh, him. But then there was one in the early 90s with Gary Kroger, who used to be on SNL. And I can't even, I mean, they show on on Buzzer at night, they show the 90s version of Bob Eubanks' uh, newlywed game followed by the Gary Kroger version. And it's like, it's an, it's an (laughs) hour, it's an hour of nightmare inducing television. Like, I swear to God, it's like, I can't, oh, it's so bad. It's so incredibly inappropriate. But the one with Gary Kroger is, uh, Gary Kroger, by the way, was on SNL during the lean years in the early eighties when Eddie Murphy was the only cast member that was good. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, and actually Julia Louis-Dreyfus was on there, but that was before, like, she wasn't very good on SNL. 
that was before she became like the you know the comic genius that she is now right um, yeah but yeah so like long before Seinfeld long before Veep long before we knew what a fucking treasure Julia Louis-Dreyfus is and it wasn't her fault because they didn't know what to do with her like it was terrible um but yeah, but Gary Kroger is the host of this version of the Newlywed Game, and it's oh my god, it's a train wreck, a train wreck. <laughs> so anyway, uh oh, I think my dad's here. Oh, hi, I'm Carrie Russell, hi, and Carrie. I love Nick's show. Oh, she loves uh talk about. Oh, she's wearing a T-shirt to talk about. Oh, wow, wow. She loves she oh. loves Canadian game shows where they don't know what a Denver omelet is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my dad. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go. Yeah. All right. As, uh, as you know, uh, every first new show of the week on Tuesdays, my dad stops by to tell a joke. Esmeralda, are you ready for my dad's mm-hmm. joke? Yeah. Hit it! What does a pickle say when he's playing cards? Dill me in. Oh, God. Nice. Oh, man. So uh, he is in his, he's in his pun era. Yeah, it's puns. That's a pun. That's definitely That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. And he'll do it again uh, next Tuesday. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a dill me in. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, wouldn't that be weird if it was a... Uh, if it was a, If it was a sweet pickle that said that, if it was a bread and butter pickle that said that, that would be inappropriate him to say that because he's not a dill pickle yes <laughs> all right all right well dad will be back next uh next week to tell the joke as well i think um i'm gonna find some of those those terrible uh, game shows that got canceled mm-hmm. and uh and we'll talk a little bit about those uh the next time because they're okay. hilarious if you and, and look up threes a crowd and see how long you last in one episode because i i predict four and a half minutes before you go what the fuck and just turn it off <laughs> think yeah hey who knows you better your wife or your secretary everybody <laughs> unbelievable all right well uh thanks esmeralda my thanks to uh monica ang uh, and again you can pick up her book with uh, david hammond it's called made in chicago stories behind 30 great hometown bites you can check that out it's out in bookstores now hey you want to be a sponsor on this uh, podcast please do sales at radiomisfits.com Leave us a voicemail message 24-7. We want to hear from you at 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Listen to us 24-7. We are now streaming. Radio Misfits is now streaming. Great unheard music, great episodes of the podcasts uh, that are available, and this podcast every day at 3 p.m., and my SNL podcast every day at 9 a.m., streaming live, radiomisfits.live. So make sure you check it out next time. Steve uh, Procopi and Eric Childress will join me with some movie reviews. And Esmeralda, I've seen it already, but we'll review it officially uh, on the next episode. But I've, uh, I've seen the new Indiana Jones movie. Mm, okay. And so we will discuss it. Yes. Yeah. All <laughs> right. And uh, I'll give you a little hint, Esmeralda. Just a little hint. It sucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, all right. All right, Esmeralda, thank you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast at Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is red on me.